everybody, James Shepard here with the Merchant Sales Podcast. I have got an awesome episode for you today. In just a minute, I'm going to have Ben Shirey join me right here in the studio. You'll notice behind me, we have the CC Storage logo. Um, now, I want to make it really clear, um, we're not looking for resellers. This is not a sponsorship. It's not an advertising. This is nothing like that. I own a company called CC Storage. Many of you know that it's an ISV. So it's kind of my investment into, you know, this integrated payments market and going after vertical specific software. And um, CC Storage is a company that I own. About four months ago, I hired a CEO to run CC Storage for me. We got it to a point where we could see some open road and we knew we had something that could be really successful and profitable. So I went and hired a CEO to kind of get us through this relaunch of the software. And so what I want to bring to you today is a real, just very honest, transparent conversation with you about what it's really like to start your own vertical-specific software company, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and then I'm going to go to uh, my se segment after that, questions from the field, where I'm going to answer some of the most commonly asked questions that I get from ISOs, consulting clients, about building out their own software company with integrated payments. So let's dive into this awesome interview and then stick around for my thoughts afterwards on some frequently asked questions. Hey everybody, James Shepard here with the Merchant Sales Podcast. Uh, today joining me in the, actually in the, we're in the CC Storage Studio. Yeah, it's pretty right? awesome. Yeah, so uh, this is Ben Shirey. Uh, ben is the CEO of CC Storage, which is an ISV that I own uh, that goes after self-storage uh, property companies. And I thought it'd be cool to do this in our studio. Um, ben just started his podcast for CC Storage. So I thought it'd be cool to just talk about what is it like to actually start an ISV? I know a lot of ISOs want to get into that game. They may think it's easier than it really is. We right. talk about our failures yeah. and all of that as well. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, so start off, maybe introduce yourself and, and your background in the payments industry and then what you're doing now. Right. So uh, yeah, James and I started working together uh, years ago when he was uh, building an ISO. And I came, I came into a role where I was the point of sale director. And so I started out with a, a point of sale system where I was you know working with sales reps and uh, training them on selling point of sale and then also demoing for customers and and. Uh, setting customers up uh, at their physical locations and things like that. And so I did that for a little while. Then we got an idea to start generating leads for oh, right. our sales the, reps. The call and so we had a call center and I that's managed right. the call center for a little while within the payment space. And so yeah. uh, a little bit of experience with that kind of stuff. Really like business development. And so when you mentioned CC Storage to me, I was pretty excited to, yep. to see what we could do with it and uh, get an ISV started. And uh, cool. yeah, so CC Storage, a little bit about CC Storage. Yep. Uh, kind of our differentiation, uh, the, the thing that makes us different in our, in our space is that we are the only pay, uh, property management software that offers dull pricing. So right. a lot of competition in the property management space. There's a lot of big players. But uh, as we get started out, it's really cool. We're, we're offering dull pricing so we can come in, yeah. you know, completely eliminate the processing fee for the business. Uh, and then right. we roll our software fees into that same markup. And so we can offer the business owner a no-cost solution to manage their property, online payments, online book, uh, booking and things like that. So, yeah. So, um, I think it'd be, I think it would be fun to kind of go back. So you, how long have you, when, how long ago was it that you started? So I started with the ISV, uh, April, first week of April. So this is like some about four months, four in. months in. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the four years that went before that four right. months. Yeah. So, um, back when, uh, uh, ben and I were building an ISO together. Um, I got a potential client that reached out. So back then I also owned a web design company and we had a company reach out that was a self-storage uh, company. Mm -hmm. And I don't know in retrospect why on earth they didn't just go with one of the other software 
Right. Like, I don't know why on earth. <laughs> anyway, and they reached out and were like, hey, can you build us something to manage our self-storage property? And I was like, I don't know. That sounds fun. So we put a price together that was kind of exorbitant relative to like, they could have just gone and bought software that was far superior to what we built, frankly. Right. But anyways, we were like, okay, sure. So we built them their own custom software to, to just, all they want to do is build their customers. Basically, they just mm -hmm. wanted to put their customers on auto pay that were renting these units. And I was really shocked when I got into the market at like back then, four or five years ago, I guess this would have been like six years ago, actually now. Anyway, there was like, you know, self-storage property owners, there was good software out there, but it was very complicated and nobody used it. Mm -hmm. um, they were all doing checks and cash and stuff like that. Right. And um, then <clears throat> we got this bright idea. Well, let's just take this idea and let's just build this software. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. So I hired a guy to run it. That would have been um, probably three and a half years ago. Uh, we probably spent um, 60,000, I would say in development costs, give or take. Mm -hmm. And we built kind of a minimum viable. But when we went to market with it at that time, the dual pricing and all that wasn't super popular. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't think about doing that. It was just what we were going to do is um, we were doing flat rate processing. So you pay like 3.3% flat, I think it was, or 275 or something like that. Right. And then that includes your, your software and all that. So it's kind of that same concept. Yeah. But when we went to market, all of the older self-storage property owners were like, why on earth would I pay fees? I have no empty units and all that stuff. Right. Um, then you fast forward. So then we were kind of like, all right, let's shut this down. Let's revisit this later. Then when the idea of dual pricing came along, I'm like, well, wait a minute, maybe we, maybe this has some legs now. Mm -hmm. So then we went back to market and we were like, okay, the dual pricing idea is catching on, but we didn't have any of the features. Mm -hmm. So then you come in. So talk about when you came into this and I mean, we had a few customers, but it wasn't like we have a massive portfolio here, right? Right, right. So sure. by any stretch. So you came into this kind of from scratch in a way, almost like a startup feel to it. Mm -hmm. And knowing that the software wasn't right for the market and all of that, what did you do? What right. did you focus on first? Well, so I think the first thing uh, with, with starting out that I looked at as we got started was, you know, what is the vision? What are we trying to accomplish with this product? Right. And then after that, who is our target market? Right. Because mm. when I first came into it, it seemed like the software was built more for, you know, a facility that has 40 to 50 units, pretty small mom and pop shop place that doesn't have any software. Right. But the problem with that is, is that there's no money to be made on that facility. Right. Right. So then we had to kind of look at, you know, what is the market telling us? And so the average facility in the United States right now is about 517 units. And so we needed to build a product that fits that market for sure. Right. But the overall vision for the company is that we could service a, a facility way bigger than that or somebody that has multiple facilities, you know, 10,000, 20,000 units. Right. And so the, the main thing that, you want, that we tried to keep in mind is we're building a product for something much larger than we're about to service, right? Mm, yeah. So I want to make sure that the product is going to fit with our end customer that we really want, which is a mega customer, Right. But at the same time, we need to get into market, right? We need right. to start testing our assumptions. We need to validate what we've right. built so far. Right. And so we had a list of some features that some people had requested. And, you know, as I was researching it, the funny thing is, is that, that uh, you know, a lot of the, the top line developing teams and things like that would say, you don't build your system for a couple of customers that are, you don't want to build it specifically for those customers. Right. You get an idea from them right. and then you build it to where it fits all of the customers that you might potentially have. So right. you're not building a solution for, you know, the five or six customers that you're in development with. Right. But that you do get ideas from that. And right. so we had some, you know, some features from some customers, things that they had to have in order right. to fit that market space of 500 units. Right. And so we made sure we got those features done first. 
And then yeah. now we go back to market to validate what we built so far for those 500 units. And then we work towards the next step. And so kind of trying to segment it a little bit and, you know, we're yeah. going to relaunch the software, but at the same time, yeah. we're not where we want to be yet, obviously. Sure. So let's go to kind of the beginning. So when you started out with this thing, um, I know within, I think the first week, uh, you had a meeting, I think down in Florida right. with, uh, the lead developer for the project with our CTO mm-hmm. and you, the three of you. Yes. It was just the three of us. Okay. So talk about that because I know like one of the big fears that our audience would have about the ISV is like, Oh my word, I have to deal with engineers. I have to deal with developers. And that's a legitimate fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. so talk about that. What was that meeting like? And what were you, what, what came out of that? Like, what were you trying to accomplish there? Well, my one, my one main takeaway from that meeting was, and, and again, I usually pride myself on, I, I do pretty good research. I feel like I, you know, I can look right. into stuff and kind of see what I need. If, if you think you thought of everything, think way more. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So when we went into that meeting, I was kind of just anticipating, oh, we were going to go over some features that we knew we needed to build, right. Uh, to build and, uh, how we would bring those to market. And, sure. you know, so just high level stuff, you know, we had five or six main features we needed right. to get done. And I thought, oh, we'll talk through them in a couple hours. What am I going to do the rest of the second day? <laughs> well, that was clearly not the case. So, uh, fast forward. Yeah. We went two two solid days in a conference room writing on a whiteboard And at the end of both days, your head just hurts because, I mean, every trip, the thing that I would think would be trivial with when you're talking to an engineer or developer is that they think through every single step of every process that that, that that thing can relate to. And so there's just way more thought that goes into a lot of the feature development stuff. But at the same time, you have to have that, right? right? You have to have, you have to be able to work with these developers that know what they're doing. Because if you end up going in with, you know, a, a lower scale development team, right. you're going to run into those issues eventually. You just didn't think of them in time and now it's costing you months of work because you right. never walked through those processes. So, so it was kind of a little bit of a different, a different type of meeting for me yeah. working with these high level developers. Right. Uh, a lot of fun. And, and yeah. again, just a, a lot of, it's a lot, it's a lot different than I r- originally anticipated it being. Right. We have to remember, I just was, th- as we're saying this, I'm thinking that um, our CTO, Jack, actually listens to the podcast. So I was like, wait oh, a second, yeah. I gotta make sure we don't say anything too offensive yeah. about her, you know. No. <laughs> Good but, to know uh, now before I say anything yeah, else. Yeah, before you say anything else, right? <laughs> just fair warning. Um, yeah, okay, so you have that meeting, you come away from that, and then it's like, okay, now we gotta get to work, we have to build this list of features that you came away from that with. Right. What is your uh, cadence of communication with, because um, really, we only had... One, I mean, I know Jack worked on it some, our CTO, but I mean, really we had one developer on the project. Right. Um, and so talk about how you communicated and, and kind of made sure that progress was being made and, uh, For sure. and what that's For like. Sure, yeah. So the one thing that we did at that meeting then is we just scheduled a daily call. So every morning, and again, working with developers, they're a little more meticulous about how they spend their time, I guess you would say. Yeah. So they, the, they got to get into a flow. They have to get into a flow. And when they get yeah. into it, you don't want to interrupt them with a the meeting. Whereas, you know, if you're on a manager schedule or whatever, you can jump in and out of meetings. Right. They don't work that way. Right. So uh, me and the lead developer, we have a meeting every morning at 915. Okay. And sometimes that meeting goes 15 minutes and it's just touching base. Hey, here's what progress we made. And, and he knows what he wants to do for the rest of the day. And so it's a short meeting. And sometimes it goes till lunch and you just never know going into that meeting, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so what we what kind of had the way we left the first meeting was we created a system where we have cards. So all of the features that we want to build are a card in a system. Okay. And so then I would work with customers, potential customers, uh, Facebook groups where I would go in and research and ask questions and see as far as how important is this feature and how soon do we want to bring that one into the system versus the other ones. Right. And so I would rearrange those cards we would go in at the 915 meeting and we would pull the features that we were going to work on for that day into the system. 
and then we would talk through those features. Okay. So sometimes it was, you know, really quick. This is a straightforward feature, and right. it's not so going to take maybe much. Maybe it's a report or something right, like exactly. that. Right, exactly. And then right. sometimes it was, you know, this is going to affect six other things, and then we have to go right. and add more cards because we have to build other things before we can hit this feature. Right. And so, yes, yeah, sometimes it was a two- to three-hour meeting. Sometimes sure. it was short. But, but that everyday communication is almost a must because yeah. otherwise you'll end up – with the developers working on things and they're not going to be the way that you wanted to bring them to market anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, we're going to, sometimes we talk through features and we just eliminated them because right. we need to validate those assumptions a little bit more before we spend our time on something that's a bigger integration or something right. like that. So I think it's like really important for our audience, especially that maybe doesn't have this uh, context <clears throat> to understand. I, one of the biggest mistakes I see is, and, it, and it's interesting because I made this exact same mistake, which is you're like, okay, I want to start this new thing. Well, we want to build this new product, this new software. Mm-hmm. That's not a small thing. It's not, it's, it can't be right. one of the things that you do. Right. Someone on your team, it has to be like the only thing that they are thinking about <laughs> because right. it's such a big deal to yeah. the market research, thinking through it all. Um, and it's, you For know, sure. with ISOAMP, when we built that out, you know, I was that person. And, you know, I was, we were talking about this yesterday, you know, I've spent on average, maybe an hour and a half to two hours every day talking with Jack, my lead developer for that project. Right. And it was like, that's all we did. We were all in an ice cream. I basically shut mm-hmm. down my consulting practice for two years. Right. And we built that. Now I don't do very much with it and it's delegated, but mm-hmm. somebody has to do that. And so I, you know, we, the mistake I made with CC storage was I was like, oh, I did this before. Right. I'm sure I can do this. I just need like 20 minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's way less complex than ISOAMP. Much less right. complex. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't really matter because ultimately the, the complexity is almost more on the developer's plate. I think it's more like it's just somebody has to think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, the, and again, even with something like this, with CC storage being a property management solution, it it's funny because you can really quickly also, while you're doing your research and things, get caught up in what are my competitors doing, right? Mm. At this point, the market's saturated with yes. a bunch of, we have mid, lots of competitors. Middle, mid-level competitors. Yes. There's a couple really big players in the game. Right. And so if all you do is look at what your competitors are doing and try to build a solution, right. you're just going to be noise, right. right? So you have to have the thing that differentiates you, I think, and we do with the, with the dual pricing. Right. But then you have to make sure you're obsessed over your customers, not your competitors. Mm, and so that's well, the that's one good. thing that I tried to keep focused on as I was looking at it is, yeah, I would check in on our competitors to see what right. they're doing. What they, what's, what's but their if I'm going to build what they're building, what, what am I bringing to market? Right. right? And so that was just right. one of the things that I tried to keep in mind as we were doing our researches. Are we making sure that we're supporting customers, not fighting competitors? Right. Huh. I like that. That's really, I love your line of be obsessed with customers, not competitors. That's a yeah. really good. Wow. That's awesome. I might steal that. Anyway, that was really good. Um, <laughs> hey, so, um, all right. So, where are we at today? So we're four months in. Uh, at the time of this recording, this is July 22nd or 21st? 21st, yeah. Um, so we're about four months in. <clears throat> Where are we at and, and what are your plans for shifting gears to get into marketing? Maybe talk about that a little bit. Right. So uh, we just completed a couple of the bigger features that we had to have in order to support that that market space of about 500 units. Right. And so now that we've hit that kind of that goal, we still have a little bit more, you know, we're working on some reporting dashboards and, you know, making some more robust reports and things like that to support those. But as far as the features go, most of them are completed that we need in order to start marketing and start selling this solution sure. again. Okay. And so we're going to start, you know, there's there's some basic ones that a lot of people do. You have Captera, the, the, the online mm-hmm. lead generation, yep. that they generate leads and they sell them to you. Sure. 
Uh, and then some of the other things that we're doing different is I have the podcast with self storage insights. Right. And so that is where I in, I interview a self storage property owner. Right. And so I try to do that once a week mm-hmm. and we just talk about, you know, their insights into the business, their experience with getting started in the sure. business and just trying to create some unique content that nobody else is, that nobody else right. has. And so that way we're bringing something valuable to the right. market as well. If all you do is send out emails, you're just noise. I mean, there's right. a lot of, a lot of really good information is already passed around. Right. And so trying to find something unique that differentiates us in the marketing side, which sure. we're doing with the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and that's been a lot of fun too. And, yeah. and I really enjoy the podcast. The, the thing that I find really unique about using that as a marketing vehicle is the people that I interview, almost everyone so far has been a customer that would fit right into our, you know, the, right. the market that right. we're trying to get into. And after you talk to somebody for 20 to 30 minutes about their business and you right. don't mention anything that you sell or anything like right, that, right. when I bring up, hey, I also have a software, right. it is such an easy conversation yeah. to transition to. Their guard is down. Right, right. And so we've been generating, I have a couple of really good leads that I'm following up with just from that podcast. Right. And so there's a lot of time that goes into you know building Creating a podcast, it. right? Yes. It's not like, oh, yes. I'm going to start a podcast and, and I'm going to build it. Right. Right. So we have a full-time person who's calling to generate interest in the podcast. Yeah, well, let's, I want to circle back to that. Actually, okay. let's, let's talk about that. So, so talk about exactly what he does, and maybe even give some of the recent metrics, like how many okay. calls, how many leads. Like, tell, explain. I think right. that's so interesting how we're doing that. Okay. So, yeah. so, so yeah. So, essentially, with the podcast, what we did is we purchased the list of twenty six thousand uh, businesses within the self storage industry. Right. And a kind of a breakdown of that, just so you know, so the yeah. audience would know. So, you know, there's six publicly traded companies that control forty percent of the storage market. Okay. Right. Which five actually yesterday, two of them merged. There was two REITs oh, really? that did merged. a merger. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know so that. now there's okay. five that control 40% of the space. Okay. Then there's 94, not 94 operators that control the next 20%. Wow. And so then after that, there's 40% of the market left left. And most of that's those business records that we purchased. There's 26,000. And to clarify, and clarify, we're talking about, we're talking about I'm businesses talking about that own facilities. self-storage properties. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes. Okay. They own self-storage properties. Right. Potential clients of our software. Correct. Right. Yes. Again, okay. trying to find that market fit. Right. Uh, and so we purchased that list. And so we have phone numbers for those 26,000 facilities. Right. And so then we have a full-time person who just makes, at this point, he's making about 150 to 160 calls a day. Okay. And all that he does is he calls with a short pitch that says, hey, we have a, a podcast where we interview self-storage owners. Is this something that you'd be interested? in is that you know high level and and he gets their email address sometimes he gets their phone number right and once in a while he'll have a really good conversation and we'll get a lead for the interview that way as right. well right and so yeah it, roughly out of those 150 calls he'll get about 25 email addresses and so we're building that list by about 120 to 130 a week right. which is which is insane i mean like for people that are listening like if, you know he just said that he makes 150 calls a day and mm-hmm. gets 20 to 25 right. conversions yes like those aren't demos, right? No, they're not. They're demos, top of but, the funnel. But, I'll, but right. the thing, I, the thing that's interesting to me is, I guarantee you, over the long haul, we're going to get more demos out of that, out of those calls. than if he had called and said, "We want to do a demo," right, for sure, because then he would make 150 calls and he might get, might one. get one, right. But instead, we got connected to 25. And we're going to send them valuable content every week for the next year, right. And at some point, yeah, and that's the value proposition of you know, or trying right. to find something different that you can right. call about, you know, right. versus just calling with the yeah. same pitch that everybody hears. And so that's been working really well as far as generating interest in the right. podcast. And then, yeah, then getting creative and converting those podcast, you know, podcast right. leads right. into another funnel where we can yeah. then eventually convert sure. them to sell this storage, uh, CC yeah. storage. So. Yeah, it's yeah. I think I think one of the other really cool things we could talk about here at the as we kind of wrap it up a little bit. Um, and and I, I wanted to take a minute actually to clarify with our audience, like 
we're not looking for resellers right now. We're not in any way. This is right. not a promotion of CC storage. Okay. <laughs> this is just us sharing what we do and, and how it works. Um, for those that are, I, I get a lot of questions about it, you know, the okay. consulting practice, but having said that, let's talk about distribution a little bit. So right now you mentioned Captera, um, software advice as well. We have the right. content marketing going on, but talk about Captera and software advice or just give the 30 second, like, what is that? And, and you know, what, what kind of lead generation, like what, why are we doing that? Right. Like, so Captera is if you go online and you search for self-storage property management software or, or any, or any, pro- or any, any software, essentially. Right. Yes. Any business. software, It'll give you the top 10 results that they think are relevant to you, right. which and actually so, paid. Yes. To be there. And yes. you have to pay to be there. And so we right. pay to be a spot on that list. Yes. And then, you can generate leads that way. Right. Software advice, they will actually, with through their call center, they will, you know, when self-storage properties are looking for software, yeah. they will be in contact with them. They get a lot more information about those properties. Right. And then they sell you that information. So, for example, I could see that somebody with, you know, 250 to 500 units is looking for a software. And usually, again, it's a, from a call center. So some of the data is a little sketchy. It's the same on everybody. Oh, right, they want tenant right. protection, you know, whatever the list right, of features right. that they need. Right. So I can kind of look at the list of features they need and determine if I want to buy that lead or not. Right. And usually they sell for somewhere between 75 and $125. Got it. Okay. And so then it also on that lead, it tells you how many people you're going to compete with for that lead. Sure. If it's three spots or five right. spots, how many people they're selling that to. So let's talk about this for a minute. I think this is super interesting. And especially for our audience, it's more sales, you know, orientated. Right. So it, just because you build an ISV, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> like right. that's it, ironically, that's the easy part, although it's really hard, but it's mm. the easy part relative to the other part, which is selling it. Right. Um, and so one of the fundamental kind of constraints as I see it with ISVs today is they're doing kept here and software advice, just like we are. Mm-hmm. And you're only going to get people who are searching for, Right. You're going to get the top 3% of people right. that are in the industry looking for yeah. a new software. Right. But 97% of, so- of people who own self-storage properties right now are not looking for software. Correct. Right. And so, you know, to me, the content marketing mm-hmm. is our way of breaking into that and saying, let's call those 97% and they may not be interested right now, but let's give them content. Right. Right. So that they can for do that. Sure. And, and then when you bring in the value proposition of dual pricing, Right. right. Then potentially we're going to reach a whole other part of the market that right. doesn't know they want to save way more money than they possibly could because right. it's, it's not even right. a thing. You know, and, and some of the Facebook groups that I'm in, I try to start these kind of conversations just to gauge where right. where is this market even at with dual pricing. Right. And it's amazing to me the people that are just like scared of that. Right. They're, right. Why would you pass fees to the customer? And, and some of the conversations are absolutely ridiculous. Right. These are business owners that are making a lot of money. Right. And they come up and say like, oh, why would I worry about a 3% fee? Or, you know, yeah. they don't even, it's not even a blip right. on their radar. And you're like, and it's so, 3% of your gross so margin. So part of, part like, of what I'm trying to do is educate. Right. Educate people on what is dual pricing? Why is it effective? Right. And, you know, your customers aren't going to leave you because of it, because that's what everybody thinks is going to happen. But in return, they'll say, just do a 5% price increase. Everyone's fine with that. And I'm, and it just, it blows my mind that yeah, that's it's how like, they think. Right, and but, it's like, that, that's exactly what we're talking about But that's the objection doing, that I run right. into all the time is, oh, well, yeah. if I'm worried about that, I'll just do a price increase. But, it, but it's because that the, self in, the self-storage industry has been so... Spoiled. So, so spoiled. I mean, everybody's units are full. Everybody there's has more, a There's more list. demand than, than there's, supply still. Yes, but at some point, that is not going right, to be the case right, anymore. And right. so trying to educate yeah. them on, you know, this is what's coming. How are you yeah. going to be competitive when it gets here? Yeah, uh, is part of that marketing, you know, mm. that marketing challenge that we're going to face also. Yeah, and I and I think kind of circling back to that, um, you know, to me, one of the most important things if you're going to build a, a technology is that you have to make a bet on a future trend. Mm-hmm. 
at least one. You can't, you know, if you're, if you're building something because it's like, here's the opportunity today. Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be pretty unusual. There's probably a lot of other people that are already jumped on that. <laughs> right. And so you have to be willing, I think a big part of it is you have to be willing to put the money in and make the investment mm-hmm. for something that's going to pay off over five years or so, because, you know, I mean, we're losing a lot of money on mm-hmm. that business right now for what, 42,000 a month, something like Somewhere that. We're in there, yeah. investing in that. And we haven't even started the marketing. Right. <laughs> it's <just laughs> right. like, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, I got to write something down. But no, yeah. but like, you know, we're putting a lot of money into it. And the thing we have to realize is it's like, we're, we're betting on several trends, right? Mm-hmm. You would say um, more people are going to pay, want to pay for their unit with their card or ACH. Right. Macro trend. Right. Is that going to be true over the next five years? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. That just to me is an obvious one. Right. So it's like, that's a big deal. Um, number two, are we going to get people to adopt dual pricing? You know, I think we will. And I think a big driver of that will be at some point is supply going to meet demand where these self-storage property owners are going to go, oh my word, I can't even get people to rent the units I have. Right. I need ways to reduce expenses. For sure. Hey, what about that dual pricing thing? That, you know? Yeah. So I think, I, I don't know your thoughts now, but to me, it's like, you, you've got to make a future bet. You can't just build something for what's happening today. You've got to kind of make a bet on something that's going right. to happen in the and, future. And one, of my, and one of the things with dual pricing, again, making that bet kind of on, that's where the industry is going to head. Right. Is that, you know, the future statistics, again, a few years ago when I was reading some reports from back, you know, they were uh-huh. saying millennials will be the generation that stops using self-storage facilities and then there's going to be a decline as these generations come up with Gen Z after them, you know, there's usually a trend in that way. However, that has been the opposite. Millennials are now the dominant um, generation purchasing self-storage units or or renting self-storage units. And they're at like 40% of the market. Wow. And Gen Z is already at 20% of the market. So there's a huge drive in younger people renting storage units. And again, if you ask younger people, are they okay with having a different fee for a credit card? Right. They always want that convenience. Right. They don't care. The, the market that struggles with it, I feel like, is, you know, the generations right. before us that, right. you know, the boomers and stuff, they're like, you can't put a, a charge on the credit card. Right. But but these younger generations are more okay with it. I Again, that's my opinion that's, on right. it. But, right. And, uh, and I think one of the challenges in, in the self-storage industry is the owners of the property. Right. Are all boomers and older. Correct. Right. Like mostly older. Yeah. That kid's insane, right. actually. Yeah. Like, it, it is. That we're, we're our target audience. I don't know what the median age is of a self-storage property owner. It's got to be 78. <laughs> yeah, I, like, <laughs> most of them that I talk to are yeah, retirement age, and this is what yeah. they're doing as a retirement right. plan. And, that, and that's and, our other big bet is, of course, you know, at some point, mm-hmm. they're going to transition to the next generation of owners. Right. And they're going to be like, okay, wait a minute. Why do we have all this complex software? Why are we paying all these fees? Right. Oh, look, here's something new. So I think it's a big part of it's all of that coming together and making that long-term bet. Right. For yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. So we got to, we could keep talking for a long time. We'll, yeah. we'll wrap this up here. <laughs> so um, tell everybody in, in my audience, again, I know we're not looking for resellers, but if they want to learn more about uh, you or CC storage or the podcast, I don't know. What do you, what do you uh, want to yeah, share? So with you them, can so. Uh, go to my LinkedIn profile. I have a little bit of information on there about me and about CC storage or go to ccstorage.com. Again, we're revamping the website and everything right now to yeah, boost don't our judge marketing us. efforts. So if you go there, you know, today, it'll look better in a few days or right, a few weeks right. as we as we improve that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we're going to be on Facebook as far as if you want to cool. check us out, social media, Instagram, that sort of thing. So it's Ben Shirey, S-H-I-R-E-Y, on LinkedIn and uh, yeah. uh, ccstorage.com. I think there's C-C a podcast. Ccstorage.com. And yeah, and then there's a link in okay. ccstorage.com within there to go yeah. to check out the podcast cool. as well. Awesome. Well, Ben, thanks for joining us on the Merchant Sales Podcast to share a little insights. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yep.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ben Shirey. Uh, again, Ben is the CEO of CC Storage. Uh, he, as I all of you could probably tell, incredibly sharp guy. Uh, I worked with them several years back with my ISO, as he mentioned, and uh, he's doing a fantastic job. Um, so I want to take a little time to answer some commonly asked questions. This is my... Um, CC storage is my third ISV, um, <clears throat> and the other two are profitable. And <laughs> this one is very much not yet, right? But I wanted you to kind of see it from the beginning stages. But I've really been blessed to be able to work with um, different uh, technology companies on the consulting side, and also build two software companies of my own that are, uh, you know, very successful and profitable. So um, some of the commonly asked questions that I get that I wanted to answer today. Um, the first one is kind of this high-level question of how should I, as an ISO or an agent, how should I take advantage of this shift in the market towards software, okay? Uh, one of the most common statements you'll hear people say is software is eating payments, okay? And that's a very true statement. In other words, the concept of payment processing is just becoming intertwined with and kind of consumed by software. When business owners think about payment processing, they're more and more they're thinking of it in terms of how it integrates with the software they're using to run their business, whether that's a point of sale system, whether that's some kind of an online software like CC Storage, uh, whether that is a smart terminal that's got rewards apps or right, whatever it is, uh, whether it's, you know, paying for, you know, uh, it's Uber or, you know, a ride share or it's some other platform type of a deal. So whatever it is, software is eating payments. So this is a trend, right? And I think more and more, if you're out in the field selling payment processing, you're realizing this trend is happening. And, you know, whereas you used to walk into maybe 10 locations and you could try to sell all 10, now maybe you walk into 10 and you can sell two or three or four, right? Because many of them already have an integrated uh, software solution. So what, do you, what should you do about this? Well, let me give you a couple of um, concepts here of like stair-stepping it up, okay? If you are an individual agent or a small ISO, and you don't have the resources to build something on your own just yet. And I mean, I'll talk about it in a second, but it does cost a lot of money. You have to have a lot of uh, free cash flow to invest in this. If you don't have that, what I really recommend is you start to get really good at doing two things. Number one is strategic partnerships. Okay, so you reach out to ISVs and you build those relationships with them and you build a strategic partnership where you can sell for them, <clears throat> right? generate residual income from that ISV, uh, you know, whatever it is, generate income from the, the SaaS, whatever, but, you know, strategic partnerships where you're leveraging your ability to sell merchants and you're taking that ability to sell merchants and you're kind of, you know, taking that value exchange to the software company and saying, hey, I know how to sell merchants. I want to go after hair salons and I see that you have a great hair salon software that integrates payment processing into it. And I want to sell for you and I want to sell hair salons. Let's work something out, right? So that to me is kind of that lowest level of like the first step is make sure that, you know, some of the people you're selling for have the software. Now, some of you may already be with a processing company or an ISO that offers really fantastic software that is integrated into payments. And so for you, that shift is going to be about making sure that as you're out there selling, you're not just selling standalone terminals or even smart terminals, but you're also selling point of sale solutions or um, other kinds of vertical specific software. One thing I will say though, where I think the ISO community has fallen dramatically short is this idea of verticalized or vertical specific software. You know, you really want to be selling vertical specific 
software solutions. And this could be in the form of a vertical specific app that's part of a larger ecosystem like a Clover, um, or it could be more in the form of an actual vertical specific software. And a lot of ISOs just, they don't, haven't made those uh, connecting points of those relationships yet. But you want to be selling vertical software for somebody, right? That's step number one. Step number two, start to get good at actually prospecting for the ISVs themselves, okay? This is where you might work with a company like Tilled, um, T-I-L-L-E-D, Tilled.com. Um, Tilled.com is a payment processor that specifically works with ISVs. CC Storage is a good example of that. We have integrated with Tilled. That's who we are using to do the payment processing on the back end. And so you can bring ISVs over to somebody like Till to help them monetize payments. So as you talk to ISVs, you're gonna find a lot of them are still not making any money or very little money on the actual payment processing that's running through their system. So you could work with somebody like Tilled um, and, and do something like that. Um, I, full disclosure, Tilled is somebody that currently is a paying advertiser uh, consulting client of mine. So I always like to mention that. Um, but I do think they're a great company. I think they have a fantastic uh, model there. So Tilled.com would be a good one. Um, and so again, that's that next level. So it's kind of like start with saying, well, I know how to sell merchants. How can I take advantage of this trend of software eating payments? Well, go to software companies and say, I can sell merchants for you, right? Whether that's through your ISO or it's going directly to a software company. Step two, learn how to sell the actual ISVs. And again, when you work with a company like Tilled and there are others, you don't have to really like sell them on the whole processing and the, they have to integrate with the API and all this technical stuff. You just gotta pitch them the idea of, hey, you can make more money on payment processing. You can monetize the payment processing and that's running through your system anyway, make more money and have a smoother signup process. Um, and so, you know, uh, Here's their contact at Tilled. You should talk to them about that. Now, next week, I'm actually going to have an interview for you. I hope next week it'll air uh, with Caleb Avery, the CEO of Tilled. And of course, we'll talk more about that. Okay, that's step two, All right? Step three is you might say, well, you know what? We are actually a larger ISO, right? A processor. We've got some capital to invest, right? Um, I will tell you as a very general rule, and this is very general because a big part of this depends as far as investment, it's going to depend a lot on what you're trying to build. Okay. If hardware is not involved, okay, hardware is not involved. You're just building software like we did with CC storage. You know, we didn't have a physical terminal yet that we're sending out there. This is just an online system. Um, plan to spend somewhere around a half a million dollars prior to really scaling it up. Now that's not saying you're not going to go to market. You'll probably go to market after hopefully a couple hundred thousand dollars is going to get you some kind of a minimum viable thing that you can go to market with. Um, but you're going to spend a half a million dollars before you even really start going to market. Right. And then you're probably going to spend another half a million to a million before you really start to break even and, you know, start to generate some cash flow. So, you know, this is over a period of, you know, two years, something like that. So, you got to have some money, you know, to do this, right? Um, now, that's without hardware being involved. If hardware is involved, well, now, you know, there's a whole other variable and it's going to add cost because you're going to have to certify your software with the hardware provider. You're going to have to figure out what kind of hardware you're going to do. You're going to have to probably buy hardware and provide it for free to the merchant. So there's a whole other thing there and you could end up spending uh, significantly more money um, along those lines as well, right? But just in terms of doing it right. And again, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right, okay? If you don't want to do it right, 
form, go back to what I just said a minute ago, form strategic partnerships. Okay. If you're not going to build it right, you're not going to build it yourself with your, you know, you're gonna, you got to hire developers. You got to hire somebody like Ben, who I just interviewed. You, know, you got to hire somebody like that, a product manager or a CEO of that new company. However, you're going to structure it with your entity. Um, I like doing separate businesses and having a CEO, but um, you know, you got to hire a product manager, somebody like that. And they're going to cost, you know, six figures, you know, it's going to be a, you know, so there's some cost, right? And so be prepared for that. But if you have that, then I would say go after a vertical and build um, the, the most basic, like how you can provide value to some small percentage of the market, like we did with CC Storage. Sell 10, 15, 20, 30 merchants, right? And then take a step back. Okay, what do we need to build to get to the next level like Ben talked about? And then you just go through that process of iteration. That's what I've been doing with CC Storage for the last like four years off and on. We'd go, we'd do six months and be like, ah, it's not the right fit yet. And then a year later, okay, you know what? Let's go back into this again. And that's the great thing about, for me, I have multiple software companies so I can move my developers around and move my salespeople around. And so it's great. Um, but you know, if you, you really need to know the vertical, if I had to go back in time, if you asked me like, James, what big mistakes did you make with CC Storage? The biggest mistake by a mile was that I didn't actually know anything about self-storage. I mean, as you can tell from the interview today, I mean, Ben has become a, you know, an expert in, in self-storage. I'm still not. I never was. Um, you can't really build a vertical-specific solution if you don't deeply understand the customer you're going after and what they need. And so I was basing it off of, oh, I've got, you know, 10, 20 clients here. Let me just find out what they want and we'll build it. But you really need a deeper understanding than that if you want to build a successful vertical software. So ask yourself, is there a vertical where you have a lot of expertise or is there somebody on your team who has a lot of expertise in a specific vertical, maybe from a pre previous job, something like that? <clears throat> and if not, can I hire somebody from the outside that's going to bring that expertise into the business um, and, and is going to live and breathe that? But if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Okay, so... The big question I get is just simply, what do I do? Like, how do I attack this trend? We all know it's happening. We all know software is eating payments. The question is, what should I do about it? And so again, I look at these three layers as the three things that you can do, right? And so you can sell for a software company, strategic relationship. You can sell the software company on payment processing. And again, this could be through a tilde or it could be you have your own processing and you're selling them on integrating with, through a, a gateway or something like that right? And then the third step is you can build your own. And if you're going to build your own, have the money to do it right. I'll give you one book recommendation that you might really like, actually. It's a book called Inspired, okay? Inspired. It's a weird title because that's not really what the book is about. But if you look it up, it's called Inspired. And it's about uh, being a product manager. And it talks about, uh, you know, it's kind of the Bible for people who are bringing software and technology products to market. So that would be a great one for you as a follow-up to this podcast if something you heard today uh, was of interest. So, my name is James Shepard. I'd like to thank you so much for following this podcast. I really appreciate it. I actually missed a week. I was it two, two weeks ago. I couldn't believe it. I missed a week. It hasn't happened to me in uh, two years, I don't think. Uh, so I apologize for that. We're going to keep these episodes flowing. Um, and I'm really excited about next week with Caleb Avery. And then we've got some other really exciting ones lined up after that. So thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.